He's carrying us on to live for such a time as this in our generation. But what I want to do this morning is just to pray for us. I want to pray a specific prayer because we are not here today just to hear messages and just to be encouraged and to leave with nothing. We are here today to be equipped. We are here today to be strengthened. We are here today to be challenged. We are here today for something inside of us to change so we can make a difference in the areas that we live. And uh, uh, let's close our eyes and uh, let me pray for us. And really receive this prayer in your heart. Father, we just thank you that you know what is going on in every person's heart this morning. Thank you, Father, that you reveal truth to us, Father. Thank you that you reveal to us, Father, who we are. And I just immediately, I see a picture of someone like your, your heart is, uh, uh, was like thrown with mud or it's just, it's just covered with mud. And what Jesus wants to do today is to break through that mud so that you can see what's on the inside of you. The light is starting to shine through what's on the inside of you. And I want you to, in your heart, you with God, just say in your heart, God, I am born for such a time as this. I'm here today to receive. I'm here today and I open up my heart so that I can receive what you have for me. That I walk out here not the same that I walked in this morning. Or that I'm online. And I want to encourage you if you're online not to, to listen to the messages while doing something. But really be still and receive what God has for you. Thank you Father. Amen. Amen. If we can get our receiving right, then our giving will be right. Amen. So Paul <clears throat> finds himself at the age of 57, finds himself in prison yet again uh, for all his uh, <laughs> preaching the gospel. Now Paul got born again when he was about 30 years old and he really gave his life to the mission and to Jesus. And uh, at the age of 57, he finds himself uh, in prison again. Now... <clears throat> What comes out of a person's mouth when they are in a pressed situation really shows what is important to them. So, <laughs> uh, so what comes out of us when we are really pressed and what comes out of Paul's heart while he is pressed really shows what is important to him. And we are so fortunate that he wrote down what was in his heart and what, uh, what was going on. And we can see <clears throat> in that in Philippians uh, Philippians chapter 1. So, if you can think about this, what I do in my life and how to apply the word to my relationship with God and to my life, I, I think if I'm pressed, what do I say? <laughs> What's going on in my life? And then I read the word and I'm like, what am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to say? Philippians 1, 1 and 2 says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the nations in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is important to Paul? What, you can, what can you glean only from those two verses? Mostly from verse 2. That someone else is more important to him and his relationship with God is more important than his circumstances. Because he's saying... Grace to you and peace from God our fathers. He's already thinking of someone else. He's not thinking of his circumstances. And he's realizing there's something more than just my circumstances and what I am going through. 
Now, God loves each and every one of us, and He wants us to, to be okay in our circumstances, and He wants our, some of our circumstances to change. <laughs> but some circumstances we can't change. We are uh, uh, with low chaining. You can't change low chaining. You can just endure low chaining. <laughs> so there's some things in circumstances you can change that you have the power to change, but there's some things that you can't change. There's some things that uh, it's just going to be the way that they are. So <clears throat> the question is, Paul is in, a, is in circumstances that is pressing. And if you think about him being in jail, any moment he can be beaten. Any moment his life can be taken from him. And if you think about that, I'm not going to get into Philippians 4, because uh, that's uh, uh, what Shane's probably going to speak about. But in Philippians 4, 6, when he says, do not be anxious, think about the weight of what he's saying of do not be anxious. Being in prison, being, uh, uh, just thinking, not knowing what, to, what, what is going to come. So the question that you need to ask yourself is, what am I looking at? What am I looking at? Am I looking at my circumstances or am I looking at how the gospel has changed other people's lives? Am I thinking about someone else? Am I thinking about my relationship with God or am I only thinking about my circumstances? So Paul goes on in Philippians 1 verse 3 to 5 and he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for all for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So the excitement of what the gospel has done in the people of Philippi outweighs the current pressure that Paul is experiencing. The excitement of what the gospel has done in someone else's life outweighs the current pressure that Paul is experiencing in, in Philippi. And if you think about this, Having a kingdom mindset is not just thinking about yourself, it's actually being excited about what the gospel and what Jesus has done in someone else's life. So on a practical point, you can pray and God obviously wants to, to help you uh, through your circumstances, but that's not the only focus. <laughs> when we pray, we can say, you know, thank you God that you know what's going on in my life, because Paul later on speaks about him being in prison. But he speaks about it in a perspective that's not, uh, that's not de uh, defeating. Is that a word? It's not, uh, it's not defeat. He's speaking from, from victory. So the way we can pray is to, although our circumstances isn't the way that it is or supposed to be, we can pray and we can say, thank you God that the gospel has, the, the gospel has impacted other people's lives. And that other people are sharing the gospel and that people are being changed. That's really having an eternal focus, <laughs> not being focused on just us. So Philippians 1.6, and I'm going to uh, camp a little bit in Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what is Paul saying in a broad sense? Just in a broad sense. What is he saying in a broad sense? What does it mean that God started with you and He will finish with you? What is he saying in a broad sense? He's saying, God is committed to you. God is committed to you. So what do we know about our commitment to God? We, we're not committed to God as He is committed to us. <laughs> 
So if you think you're as committed to God to Him, then we need to have a talk. But we aren't committed to God as He is committed to us. But still, His commitment to us doesn't change based on our commitment to Him. Based on the way that we, that, that uh, our life goes or the way that we, we see our works go or uh, if we feel we've, we've backslidden, we've sinned or whatever. God's commitment to us and He is committed, uh, committed to us. The, the work that He's begun in us, He is with us and He's going to bring it to completion. He's with us till the end. So what is the good work that God has begun in you? What is the good work that Paul is speaking about that God has begun in you? When God, something in you, when God starts something in you, the only good work that He can start in you as a start is for you to get born again. <laughs> so the good work that Paul is speaking about is for you to get born again. The good work that He started in you, you being born again, He is going to bring it to completion. With other words, He's going to stay with you until Jesus comes or obviously when you uh, pass away. So how long is God going to be with you? God starts with you, He stays with you, and He's with you to the end. So who is the one starting and completing the work through every person that Paul is writing to? The one who started the work, in, uh, in Ephesians 1.13, it speaks about when we get born again, when we, believe, when we believe the Holy Spirit is the one who creates us new, and then we become the righteousness of God. So the Holy Spirit is the one who, is, who started in all the people in Philippi. He's the one who started with all of us, and He's, he's committed to us, and He's going to stay with us till the end. So there is a beginning work, then there is a time in between, and then there's an end. There's a beginning work, and then there's time in, in between, and then there's an end. And unfortunately, there's many people that only have a start and an end. They don't have an in-between. Because they get born again, they don't, they don't learn about who they are in Christ, they don't learn about the Spirit in them, they don't learn about uh, who God is, they don't get equipped to really live the Christian life, and it just, it's just a start and an end. <laughs> So what we are speaking about today is we're really speaking about the middle part. Because if you're here and you're born again, God's already started to work in you. We're speaking about what happens in the middle, the middle part. Now, I want to share something with you that's really going to raise your expectation of God working through you. So starting off with Jesus, where did Jesus' Jesus' power, where did He get His power from? Where did Jesus get His power from? How did he live the life that he lived? It wasn't just because he was Jesus on his own, just as a man. John 5, John 5 verse 19 says, When Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So Jesus is not just by himself awesome. Acts 10.38 says, Our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. <clears throat> was with him. Excuse me. What was, who empowered Jesus to do, to, to do what he to, did to do what he did to do? <laughs> that one. <laughs> who empowered Jesus? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowered Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit is the one that, that did the signs and the wonders through Jesus. So how did Jesus operate in godly wisdom? How did he walk on water? How did he still the storms? How did he raise people from the dead? How did he heal the guy with the crooked hand? How did he multiply the bread and the fish? How did he heal epilepsy? How did he heal the lame, the blind, the deaf? How did he love people unconditionally? How did he forgive? How did he live with joy and peace? How did he endure the cross? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does Jesus say about you? Although it's written 2,000 years ago, Jesus said something about you. For us, born in a, in a generation that we are born into, for such a time as this, today, Jesus is saying something about you. John 14 verse 12 says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will, also, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So Jesus says, you can do the same works that he did. You can do the same works that he did. Why can you do the same works that Jesus did? Why can you do the same works that Jesus did? Because it's the same Holy Spirit working, us, working in us right now that worked in Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit that was working in Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit that we have. John 14 verse 6 says, And I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. And that another is of the same kind. So He's saying He's going to give us the same. He's going to give us the same. So we have the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus we have. So think about this even before Jesus' time. Who worked the miracles through Moses, through Joshua, through, through Gideon, through Samson, through Ruth, through Hannah, through David, Solomon, Elijah, Elisha? Who spoke the prophecies about Jesus coming? And then who worked in Jesus? Who worked in Paul and Peter and John and Philip? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the one who is constant from the beginning until now doing and empowering people to live and really to live what God has called them to live. I love this verse in Joshua 1 verse 5. And this is just uh, after Moses passed away and he gave over the leadership um, uh, to Joshua. And it says, no man, this is in Joshua 1 5. It says, no man, God is speaking to, um, to, to Joshua. And it says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, Moses so I will be with you. I will not leave you, not forsake you. So God is saying, as I, was with Mo, as I was with Moses, as I was with Joshua, as I was with Jesus, as I was with Paul, with Peter, with John, so I am with you today, the same way. So we need to raise our expectation. We don't need to look at the, the people in the Bible and say, wow, they're like, like, they're like up there, I'm just here. <laughs> They couldn't do anything without the empowering of the Spirit. They couldn't do, they couldn't flow in any gifts. They couldn't heal anyone without the empowering of the Spirit. Amen. So, <clears throat> the Spirit that worked through every generation to accomplish what was there for such a time as this, is now, here today, it's in us to accomplish in our generation for such a time as this. And if you can really see this picture, 
that God has never found anyone qualified to work through you. Except Jesus. But other than Jesus, God hasn't found anyone qualified good enough to work through. He works through us based on His grace, on His goodness. It's only in our faith in Him that He works through us. God doesn't answer pastors' prayers more than anyone else's prayers. <laughs> if your prayer life is anything like, you know, uh, God, you need to answer my prayer because if you think, God, why are you not answering me? I'm going to church. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Then you're thinking about yourself and you're thinking about your works. I'm not praying and saying, God, but I'm the pastor. Why are you not answering me? <laughs> I'm praying and I know that I'm not good enough in myself. I'm praying and saying, Father, I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in what Jesus has done for me and that's why you will answer me. That's why you will speak to me. That's why you will be for me and with me. So, <clears throat> if you can see the picture that the Holy Spirit is the one that has been constant through every generation. What has changed through the generations? Just the people that He's working through. When Paul in his day was living, he was the person that God was working through. Us living today, we are the people today that God is working through. He doesn't have anyone else to work through. Paul is not here today. John is not here. Peter is not here. <laughs> we are the people that God is working through. His Holy Spirit is the one working through us. Romans 8 verse 1 says, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Yet again, it's speaking about the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And if you give that some thought, if you just give, the thought, give it thought in what um, condition Jesus' body was when he was, when he was dead, Raising someone like that from the dead is, just, is, raising, is different and I feel in my mind it's a bit different raising someone from the dead just, just fell over uh, and the heart stopped. <laughs> Jesus was lashed, he was, there was blood flowing out of him, his body was like, uh, it was torn in pieces and to raise someone like that from the dead is another story. So we have that same power uh, uh, living in us. So God has given us a calling and the power to fulfill that calling. God has given each and every one of us a calling and a power to fulfill that calling. And He started the work in us by creating us new, filled us with His power to live the life that He has for us. We are called for such a time as this and we are empowered for such a time as this. We, we don't only have a calling where God's saying, you know, I called you for a time like this, good luck. We are called and we are empowered to live uh, uh, what God wants for us. So what is our calling as believers? This is just uh, my definition. What is our calling as, as believers? Our calling should be what God wants done. Our calling should be, God, what do you want done? I'll do it. Last year, I was, um, I was praying about my circumstances. And I turned to Philippians 4 verse 6 and I read, Be not be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And I was praying about it, but not, I was praying about it in a positive way, but I was praying about my circumstances. And in that moment, I just had this thought, you know, I'm concerned about this. But what is God concerned about right now? 
If I look at God and I think about Him reigning over the universe, what is He really concerned about now? And then all of a sudden my circumstances and my problems really like shrinked. <laughs> and I know that God wants to help me in my circumstances. He doesn't want, just want to leave me. But I realize what, what is something that is more important than my circumstances. And I ask myself the question, what is God concerned about now? The answer is in 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. It says, Who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Amen. That is what God is concerned about. He's concerned about people hearing the gospel, people getting born again, and people getting established in the truth, being discipled. And if, if I put things in perspective, my problems and my issues and things that, that's challenges for me a thousand years from now is not going to matter. <laughs> but what's going to matter is, is if people believe the gospel, if people believe the good news of Jesus. So, <clears throat> carrying on, like Paul has an amazing focus on the mission of the gospel. Paul truly has an amazing focus on the mission of the gospel and not focusing on himself and his circumstances and what he's going through. And I want to read the following verses and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to share something which I think is uh, really, really going to bless you uh, with perspective. So Paul writes in Philippians 1 verse 12 to 14 and he says, But I want you to know, brothers, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace God and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brothers in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Okay, so verse 12 he says, But what I want you to know, brothers, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So Paul is saying that a bad situation turned out for his good. <coughs> A bad situation turned out for his good. What verse do you know that talks about bad situations and God turning it out for, for our good? Romans 8, 28. So let's read it. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now I might share something that's going to twist your brain a bit. <laughs> when we read this word, this verse, we think about the my, our God is going to turn it for my good. My circumstances is going to be better. My problems is going to be better. Okay? Listen to what Paul is saying. He says, although, <clears throat> I'm going to read the verse again. But I want you to know, brothers, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What has turned out for the good in Paul's situation? The gospel. Nothing about his circumstances. God turned a bad situation for good and the circumstances of the person hasn't changed, but the impact on people's lives that the gospel could be shared is turning the bad situation out for his good. That's why Paul says, I'm in this situation, but there is something good that's coming out of it. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. So Paul is saying, this situation turned out for the good because it turned out good for God, not for me. So, <clears throat> another example where it turned out good for Paul and for God <laughs> is where he got bitten by a snake. 
and he could just like throw the snake off his hand. He didn't die. It turned out for his good. Amen. <laughs> but it also turned out good for the furtherance of the gospel because he used the opportunity to share the gospel. If I can make it a little bit practical <clears throat> in your shoes, is what if a, if a pipe, a water pipe bursts at your house? It's not good. It's a bad situ situation. Maybe if you can't fix it, you need to call a plumber, so then you have to pay for it as well. Another bad situation. So, but if you use the opportunity to share the gospel with the plumber and he gets born again, it's a very small price to pay. <laughs> then it is a bad situation turning out for your good. <laughs> we, we, we so focused on, you know, I need to move. I need to move again. You're moving to people where there's new people that you can influence. It can, it's a bad situation maybe for you, but it can turn out for the furtherance of the gospel. It can turn out good. Maybe you had an issue with someone at work that you need to address, you need to confront them. And you, and while they, and you speak to them and you hear they actually have personal issues. And you can talk to them about their personal issues. You can share the gospel with them and make a big impact in their lives. And then the underperformance of them at work doesn't actually matter. Because you could share the gospel with them. <laughs> Lisa Marie and I, we have a, like a commitment or a, a agreement that if, if anyone uh, comes to our house to fix things, if something's uh, broken, if, some, if something needs to be fixed, then we are going to pray and we're going to listen if God wants to, to say something to them. So, this, uh, our, uh, this was years ago, our, our oven was broken and we phoned the landlord and they sent someone out. And uh, I prayed and I had a word for both the guys that came. And as I gave the word, uh, they were like, just like blank. Like, like the, look, the look says, where on earth did you come from? Like, <laughs> like what's wrong with you? Like, we've, we're working on an oven and you, you're like, God says or whatever. <laughs> So I just like, I just leave it and I'm just like, I was, I was obedient to what I needed to do. So I just leave it there. So that was about November, December. The next year we had to move out of the house that we moved out of. And I remember Renee was actually, our firstborn was two years old. The new house we moved into, there was some maintenance that we had to do. And I went to build it uh, with Renee, a two year old, uh, in build it. And so this guy, one of the guys that I said something to, he cornered me in build it. And, uh, and he says, I want to be born again. I want to be born again. I was like, what? Like, if I think back and I think what I shared with him like, was more like, uh, uh, <laughs> it didn't make an impact. And now he's in build it. He's pleading with me that he was looking for me all over town to get to me so that he could be born again. <laughs> So now I'm thinking, God, I've got a two-year-old and build it. And now I need to share with this guy. <laughs> Praise God, she just uh, stayed with me and just played, played there. And I could share the gospel with him. He got born again and, uh, uh, and some other uh, cool things later on. But that was just by a bad situation turning out for my good. Or for God's good. Now here's the thing. You choose if the bad situation is going to be turned out for good. You have a choice if the bad situation is going to be turned out for good. But of course the bad situation might come and you need to use the opportunity for the furtherance of the gospel. 
Amen. So all things work together for our good does not necessarily mean your circumstances will change for the good, but it will work out good for the kingdom if you use the opportunity wise. Philippians 1 verse 20 to 24, Paul says, according, and just here again, the sacrifice that Paul speaks, speaks about, his focus that he speaks about, he says, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from, from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. But I get what Paul is saying in all those verses. It doesn't matter what happens to me as long as Christ wins. If I live, if I die, it doesn't matter as long as Christ wins. So let that mind be in us. Let that mind be in us. It doesn't matter where I have to go, what I have to do, how long I have to stay, as long as Christ wins. Let that heart of, yes, Lord, this, I can truly say, this is the growth, if I can, if I can give it a definition, this is the growth in my heart that it's taken place over the years. In the beginning, when, you, when I got born again, God would say something and it might take me days to do it. It might take me days to be obedient. So growth for me was that my, my yes, Lord, has, has come quicker. Sure. My yes, Lord, has become quicker. It's not now fighting with God and saying, I'm not good enough, and how can I? Why do I need to pray for that person? Why do I need to share the gospel? Blah, blah, blah. Now if God says something, I'm like, okay. I've, <laughs> I've learned this to agree with Him because He knows better than me. And the awesome thing is, if God tells you something to do, it means that you are equipped to do it. It means that you're good enough to do it. He wouldn't call you to do something that you're going to fail in. <clears throat> and He might call you to do something which you in your mind can't see that you can't, you, you, uh, you can't do. But when you're at that place, when you need to do what God's called you to do, the empowerment will be there for you to do what needs to be done. So, <clears throat> Galatians... 2 verse 20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And Shane touched on this last night, that the life that we live is realizing we are crucified with Christ. It's no longer my life. It's God's life through me. And that... That was my battle to really. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That was really the battle inside my heart when God started calling me for ministry or called me really to be, to be what He wants me to be. What I in my heart was fighting was God. Like, I can't give up all the years that I've sacrificed to pay back my student loan. 
I can't give it all. And God was using the verses in Philippians to say, count it all as dung. I was like, it can't be dung. <laughs> and uh, what, I re- what, I, what I was struggling with is that realizing that I thought that my, my plan for my life was better than God's plan for my life. And I came to realization that God is good and He is much gooder, better than me. And His plan for my life is much better than I can think of. So it's, when it's saying, I'm crucified with Christ, it's something that we should be excited about because we're like, I can give up my life, I can live a better life. <laughs> if, we, if we don't crucify ourselves, if we don't say that we're dead, we're going to live an average life. But if we say, I'm crucified, now I can live, and Jesus can live through me, we're going to live an awesome life. Amen. Paul speaks about this in Romans 12, 1, and he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I'm sure I'm speaking to, to most of you who know the gospel. If we can think about what Jesus has really accomplished for all of us, it's really just reasonable. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just an outflow of what He's done for me. I automatically want to do something for Him. And doing something for Him meaning, yes Lord, I give up my life and I just say, yes, whatever you want done. So I'm ending off with Philippians chapter 1. And now Paul, and I, when Paul writes this, he writes this to the Philippians. Now, I'm not putting myself on the same level as Paul. I want to bring, bring across a point. So, if I was to travel and be somewhere else, and I was writing to you guys, to Grace Life as a whole, then hear this prayer in that sense, receiving it as people of Grace Life. So, chart a bondservant of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Grace Life with bishops and deacons grace to you from grace and to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ I thank my God upon every remembrance of you and this is true when I think about the people in grace life I'm joyful <laughs> because I'm thinking about people that is, has been equipped people that are empowered people that live Jesus wherever they are I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And here verse 6 for you today being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. You have been called for such a time as this. Take the opportunity. Take the opportunity. Thank you, Father. That we can just hear what your word says to us today, Father. And if your response to the message today might need to be that you in your heart say, God, I realize that I haven't seen my value. I haven't seen 
you, I haven't seen myself the way that you see me. I haven't seen that it is the same Holy Spirit that has worked through all the generations that has been working in me. And that lifts up my value. That means I've got something to give. It means I'm called for this generation. And I'm called for the people that I'm influencing. I'm called for the people that are around me. I am called to make a difference where I am. Thank you, Father, that we will raise our expectations in our hearts to realize we are your representatives, Father. And that in our hearts we would just say, God, what do you want done? And we'll do it. Thank you, Jesus.